So how can I coach for performance? Performance, coaching for performance, it feels like the holy grail of coaching. And you ask yourself, well, what really triggers then performance? And how can I, as a manager, you know, really get into contact with what drives people? And how can I really connect to do that? Those are the topics for today. Welcome to the Power Hour, your hour where you can find out what is holding you back, your hour where you can find things where you can be better, your hour where you find new ways how you can lead your team to success, or your hour where you can have a breakthrough and do things totally differently. This is your Power Hour with me. I am Coach Colin and I am the skipper on your journey in mastering your leadership. So let's get started. And we will get started right here with a bang because... The question is, how can I coach for performance? And of course, you might be interested in a certain number of topics that you would like to improve performance around. So let's start right there. And I'm going to ask you a question so that you can type something into the chat window. And the question here is around looking at your people. What performance would you like to improve? Type your answer, your thoughts into the chat window. And as always, I'm going to copy them into so into the screen so that you can see your answers. But you don't see who's been writing the answer. So this way we can actually be quite safe and nobody can find out who has answered whatever. So go ahead, answer the question here in the chat window. Looking at your people, what performance would you like to improve? Let's see what you have here in the chat window coming up. And I will, of course, as I said, I will copy it over. What type of performance would you like to improve? Let's start right there. Who would like to be the first one? Here's the first one coming in, and I'm going to copy it right there. And it says account penetration. Um, and another one. Another one coming in, and it is about planning and focusing on the right goals. And Selecting the right accounts is another one here. Let's see if there's another one. Otherwise, it's already a good list. Account penetration, planning, focusing on the goal, selecting the right accounts, opportunities and activities. Time management is another one here. Terrific point. 
So these are things that we would like to improve um, and coach our people's performance around. And here's one more, which is also very important. Key account sales plan. We would like to have a better performance on the key account sales plan. So these are points, um, including this last one here, which is closing deals, which you would like to have improved performance around. And this is great. So we've got account pen penetration, planning, focus on goals, selection of right accounts, opportunities, activities, time management, key account sales plan, and closing the deals. So, wow. I mean, when you look at these things, wouldn't you, I mean, just imagine if you had a dial on the people that would allow you to increase the performance like on a machine. I mean, just imagine, I'm going crazy here for a moment. Just imagine such a dial would exist and you could turn their performance and increase their performance. At what level would you want to have it every day? Would you want to have it at maximum? I know, I mean, I'm, I'm only joking. I'm, but wouldn't that be great? I mean, seriously, we need, we need to become more performant, all of us. We want to be more effective. We want to be more clever at things we want to be more productive and whatever you call it i mean every day we have to improve because we want to grow we all want to grow and we have to find a way to learn things faster and not really to work faster but you know we want to over want to be faster in overriding our competitors and get ahead right that's what we really want to achieve so that growth that we want to have only comes through that everybody is improving. But sometimes you see, get the feeling that you don't really dare or we don't really see how to do that. And we're actually stuck in our current balance or our current level of performance. And I mean, that goes for you, that goes for me, because who's really going to help us there? And having somebody on the outside, like a manager or a coach who can see things differently, can turn the balance that has been stable for many years. And if you want to know more about that, that is exactly the power hour for today. So... What we will do today is we will take a quick look at the prerequisite for performance. I've done that in a previous power hour. So this is only going to be a summary, but you can go back to the other power hour if you would like to look at it into detail. But this will be quite enough to understand what there is. We will then have a look to see, well, what is really stopping people to perform? And specifically, out of that situation, what would you want to address then? And um, then, of course, we'll have a little Q&A. And in the end, I will show you a structured way how you can run your coaching conversation deliberately aimed at increasing performance. So I hope you're all ready for this because, I mean, these are issues that you can say these are really important because... In, in our markets right now, I mean, we're all getting some tailwind and it's great and we are growing with the market. And 
If we want to secure our growth when the markets turn flat again, there are two things that we have to do. Number one, already today, we would have to show faster growth in the markets so that we can secure our investments for the future. We would want to give proof that we will still grow when the markets are flat so that we can still have these investments, right? Does this sound simple? I mean, it sounds simple, but it's not really easy. Is it urgent? Yes, it is. And we don't really want to start until the markets slow down. I know I'm spoiling your party a little bit. I'm so glad that we are where we are right now. But we always have to think about the future. As the saying is, you have to fix the roof when the sun is shining. You know, I like to perform as well. And I would like to do a good job and contribute to my company. And some years back, I had a boss who always asked me about my opinion. And it was really great at the beginning because I, I felt like, like he was respecting me. And I, I shared voluntarily what, what my ideas were and what we should do. But then after a while, I noticed two things that became like a pattern. And the first thing was that as soon as I voiced my opinion, he also had his own opinion about what I should do. And there, it always ended in a discussion around him imposing his opinion after I had voiced mine. And the other thing that also became apparent is when he didn't oppose my idea and tried to insist on his idea, he didn't even confirm my idea and encourage me to give me the feeling that, that I could actually do and, and um, follow my idea, which left me wondering whether he approved it or not. In the end, I got so frustrated and I became, what even worse, I became very cautious about suggesting any idea. And because I never nearly, I never knew if my ideas were worthwhile or not. And you can guess where my performance went. So before we look into coaching performance, let's have a look to see what performance really means in this context. Performance is the accomplishment of a given task against a preset known expectation of effectiveness and efficiency. Now, okay, I'm not going to dive into detail around the definitions of effectiveness and efficiency. We'll save that one for another power hour. But it is obviously that performance is the accomplishment of a given task against a preset known expectation. And this is really where it all starts. Around the question of, well, what is the expectation? And then you can start discussing when that level of expectation is known, then you can start discussing around the gaps. And that is really one of the essence of coaching. Now, if you look at performance and, you know, the accomplishment of a given, cast, given task against a preset known expectation, then we can have a look at, well, what are the prerequisites of performance? And in a previous power hour, we were talking about the ladder of performance. They've got five levels to this, and we'll only go through this quickly so that you can remind yourself what it's about, because this is really essential. Now, 
these five steps in the ladder of performance, you will notice that there are they're like building on each other. And which means that you can take the first step and then take the second step and you can take the third step. So let's have a look at what these five steps are. And then you immediately realize that if you think about the definition, performance is the accomplishment of a given task against the preset known expectation, you know exactly all of a sudden where things get stuck. So let's have a look. The first level is you want to be sure that everybody has the information about what should be done. Have, have you been sharing your expectation on an information level? Yeah, this is what the expectation is. And if you think about those points that we had, the key account sales plan, is there a key expectation around that? Closing deals, is there a, is there a defined expectation around that? And already you can think about yourself, well, we have been talking about it, but is it really crystal clear? Well, if not, then the preset expectation is not a given. The second one is the responsibility on what sh on who should do what in the team. And you might wonder, well, wait a minute, what has that got to do with an individual's performance? Well, a great deal. Because if you think about the key account sales plan and the responsibility around to do this, the first question is, well, where does the sales, uh, the account plan come from? Are you providing that? Should the person define that? Should head office define the structure and the template? See here, immediately things start falling apart and you realize, well, that responsibility around this expectation is not so crystal clear around who should be doing what. So it's worthwhile diving into that because otherwise you get stuck and your people get stuck. The third one is the authority and the resources for the individual. Now, the authority, should you really do that? Is somebody else doing it? Immediately start thinking about everybody doesn't want to be the first one out to do to work on specific account selections. I mean, what happens if it goes wrong? I mean, do I have everything that it takes? Am I allowed to reduce the sales on certain accounts because I'm focusing on other accounts? Wait a minute. Things have to be crystal clear. And if they're not, the performance slows down. And you will want to clarify with your team, with your individual, what is really missing here. The fourth one is the competence to be able to achieve results. And if you think about here, one of the comments, what would what performance would you write, would you want to improve? Closing the deals. Well, out of the judgment of the individual, do they have everything it takes to close the deals? Do they have the competence to achieve those results? Because if they don't, their attention and their performance will go somewhere else. Which means that you will not have the performance on the given tasks. And the fifth and final one here, it's about the own commitment to get started. And you might think, well, obviously, if, you know, people, people just do these types of things when they are told. I mean, you do it, yes, and here's one small thing that you want to take home already. You do it 
And that is the reason why you're a manager, because you're more self-driven than others. You are more inclined to take a little extra risk than others. But people on your team, they might not dare to be the first one out of the gate. They want to have it verified and tested. That are reasons that slows performance down. Which means, whether on one side you understand that these are the performance criteria and the information that you would want to convey rationally so that everybody understands what is expected and what the responsibility is and what they should be doing and what resources they have and so that they should feel that they've got the competence in do it, doing it and really are able, you know, willingly to do it. This might work rationally, so to speak, but there's still things going on in their head that is stopping them doing it. That's what we're going to look at tonight, uh, right now, because what is really stopping people to go ahead? What is really stopping people then to step out, out of that zone where they feel safe and step out into the open where in their mind things are happening? So what is really happening? This is what it's which is what is becoming really interesting because you have to un understand that our brain is designed to fear the unknown because our brain is designed to protect us from danger and let us survive. And of course, you're going to say, well, wait a, wait a minute. We're not living in the jungle. Uh, we're not in danger. But this is around not only around personal survival, but it's also around social survival. And this, this fear that is built in there, let me just share with you a couple of the fears that are going on. The fear around uncertainty, the fear, what does it really mean, stepping out into the uncertainty? The f there's the fear of making mistakes, of closing the wrong deals, of following the wrong accounts. There's the fear of being criticized, of, of following, spending time on the, on the wrong accounts. There is... There is the fear of not being able to do the things right. And when you're not able to do the things right, things get out of control. And if things are out of control, our brain goes, that's a direct threat. And if I'm out of control, there's a strong risk that I'm going to die. It sounds stupid, but our brain is a couple of million years old. It is wired like that. And that fear that we have, though rationally it doesn't really make sense, emotionally we are wired to feel that fear. And think about the other thing. If, if you step out into the open, away from your, your environment where you've got your social rank, where you've got your customers, you get your recognition, all of a sudden you wonder, well, if this is not going to work out for me, if I'm not going to progress and succeed with that new customer like I have been doing in the past, will I still be respected? Will I still get that recognition from my people? Will I still be significant enough? And this is a social fear for some people that they're afraid of losing that respect because... All of a sudden, they're opening up to feeling criticized and less important because they're not so successful anymore. And if you think about animals, I mean, 
successful animals. If we think about, I don't know, a tiger in, in, in Africa, if, if he's successful, what does he get? Well, he gets to have sex, reproduces and gets offspring. And the opposite of that? Well, you can imagine. And if, if, they're, not, if they're not significant enough, they're afraid. On the other side, there are people who are not really so, so into this significance because they're part of the herd. But them, for them to step out into the open, being one of the first ones out there doing something differently that they've never done before, for them it is the fear of being isolated. And when they are isolated and when they're trying to stick out, they've got people behind them in their team who will start poking fingers in their direction saying, hey, you left the team, you left the herd, you're not one of ours anymore. And they feel like they're losing friends and they're creating conflicts because they are trying to do things differently. And if they're sticking out and if they're not part of the team anymore, well, you are on your own. And animals who are on their own, they perish and they die. You see, we all want to be safe in one way or another. And we all want to, we all fear the unknown. But we sometimes need a little adventure and a little support so that we feel safe outside. So what can we do there? Now that we understand that there is a certain amount of fear, and I'm not, not saying that the people are fearful, but I'm saying that there is there's a certain amount of anxiety to do things differently, and it's just part of the system. There's nothing, there's nothing that can that we can, you know, rub out just by telling them this is what you've got to do. It's still going to be there. And if we are taking care of our teams, then of course we can consider in greater detail around well, what is it we can do? Because they will never tell us their fears. Let's get this clear. Nobody is going to tell you from your team that they feel that they'll be isolated to step outside of the crowd and be the first one following a new, a new account plan. They will have all sorts of excuses. And those excuses are just part of what they're trying to tell you. They're part of rationalizing the fear that they have. So... Let's accept for a moment that there is a certain amount of fear within our teams. And we as managers, as leaders, specifically when we're coaching our, our people, we will want to find out, well, how do we really overcome that? And there are two things that we have to know how our brains work. Because our people, our teams, even ourselves, we're using these two functionalities or features in our brain to create this fear. And this sounds crazy. And when we know what these features are, we can turn it around because we can use these features to, within the coaching situation to use it to bring it to our advantage. And the first thing what is happening, the first feature that our brain has, it can exaggerate the outcome of what is going to happen. And that is really one of the source where the fear becomes real because that feeling is exaggerated yeah when when they start a new account and they follow their new account plan where does the exaggeration go well the exaggeration goes if i spend more time with this new account i'm going to lose 
on the other ones because they're not going to see me anymore. I'm not going to serve them anymore. And that is where that feeling that, you know, that feature of exaggerating the worst thing that can happen is stopping them doing something different. And then there is another feature that our brain has and we use it every day and we use it big time because that is quite the opposite of exaggeration. And that feature is diminution, reducing the effect. Yeah, because on the other side of that balance of following a new account plan and talking to new contacts with their customers and trying to, you know, select the right accounts and finding the new opportunities, they are reducing the benefit of doing it. They say, oh, there is not enough business. The opportunities are not there. And the, and the, the possibilities and the, and the potential in that account is too small. It's not worth it spending time there with a new account. And you're looking at, at a rational difference and you're just thinking, this can't be, this can't be true. But these two features, and you will recognize that in your brain, it's, it's just like everything that could be fearful is going to be exaggerated and it's going to be blackened and worsened and painted in, in dark and colors and everything that could be a benefit is diminuated. And then you ask yourself, well, <laughs> how can I break the pattern through this? Well, you can, because... Very presently, I'm going to show you this coaching structure for your coaching con con uh, conversation. And you will see how you can change that. And what you would want to focus on is, well, first of all, the past is fixed. And there's nothing that can be changed there. But the things that can be changed is the future. So rather than exaggerating the the fear that could be in the future and diminuating the past or the way the people are thinking, you will find out. You'll want to rationally think about the following pattern. In the past, the people have had certain strengths, which has made them successful. They have learned certain things. They have experienced certain things and they've got the positive feeling around certain situations. But if you apply these two features now, the exaggeration and the diminution, you can immediately see what is going to happen. They are going to reduce their strengths. And they will say, if you ask somebody, well, why were you successful on this account? The typical answer would be, well, the competitor was weak or we had a good price. Is that really true? They're not seeing the strengths that they're putting into that account, that they're meeting with the right people, that they're following up on the progress of the projects, that they are meeting the needs that the customer is having. See how this diminution thing works? Experience, they could have bad experience in the past where somebody called them out and they criticized a new product that they were introducing and all of a sudden they say, no, I don't want to introduce a new product. I want to keep my business safe. That's why I don't want to do cross-selling because this is an important customer. It gives me business every year, year in, year out. Yes, and I grow with the market and, I've, and I slow down with the market and we're not growing. Yes, but if I introduce another product line to them that happened to me once at another, I don't want to go there again. That's exaggerating the disadvantages. Do you want to follow that? 
No, you want to turn it around. Just like on the future side, you want to think about, well, in the futures, there are challenges. Yes, you don't know how it's going to work. There are gaps that you have to fulfill. There are fears that you have to overcome. There's motivation that is needed. But if you apply exaggeration and diminution on the things that were good in the past, you don't learn anything for the future. And this is going to be your lever in the following coaching conversation. Because you will want to have a clear picture around, well, which strengths do you want to exaggerate? Which learning did you want to exaggerate? Which positive experience and positive feeling do you want to exaggerate? And the efforts that were put in, perhaps you want to diminish them. Perhaps you, rather than thinking about how hard work is going to be in the future and closing those gaps. No, you've done it before. You were doing it while you were doing other things at the same time. It's not a disaster. It is changing the perspective of these things. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I learned to consider how the mind works. And if you think about these two features that the mind has, what you're going to do is something called reframing the people's experience or reframing the judgment that they have about themselves. And we, we very often, we do it by criticizing them. Yeah? If, they, if they come home and they said, oh, I got home, I, I brought this great order home. What we do we do sometimes? We criticize them because the price was not good enough. So we reframe their experience, their strengths, their positive feeling, will reframe it into a negative sense. So what happened? What, what would happen if we turned that around and we would reframe it in a positive sense to our advantage, overemphasizing their strengths so that they feel courage and recognizing their, their, their competence so that they feel strength in it, encouraging their and, and, and giving positive reinforcements. That is what really goes a long way here. And, and the next coaching model, this is what we're going to emphasis, emphasize on. And on the side, it is going to address the fears that the people have, but not deliberately, because we're going to emphasize we're going to strengthen exaggerate the positive things around this and this really if you do this correctly this releases the power to perform the power to improve the desire to do things better so let's have a look at this specific coaching conversation and it's 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 around the sentence i perform for fun not that i have to perform but i put him that i perform for fun that i want to perform for fun and for fun those six letters will become a synonym of this model so that you can remind yourself around these six steps because every step is very essential to so that you can address these fears you can do a positive exaggeration and these types of things and i'm going to share with you this model we're going to go through step by step and of course i'm going to share it in the show notes 
but I would like you already to take your own notes around these things because you will want to find your own sentences, your own phrases around these things. So let's have a look to see what I perform for fun, what the structure is around. And you will recognize a lot and then we'll see. First of all, of course, by now you notice that everything that is around coaching, performance coaching change for managers, I strongly recommend that you initiate the conversation. Don't wait or address it later or put it on the side. No, no, you initiate the conversation. And the second thing would be that you, you would want to facilitate a positive feeling. That positive feeling around the performance is going to have such a great impact around that conversation. Your attitude around that conversation, even if you're frustrated and you feel like you've told this person again and you're repeating it again, if you can create your positive mindset around this, con this conversation about being cheerful, about inviting them for coffee, talking to them in the corridor, taking them for a walk, whatever it is, whatever fits you, but you want to make sure that you create this positive feeling right from the start. The second thing that you would want to do is overemphasize the com competence. And you might think, but come on, wait a minute. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, wait a second. They're not doing it in that particular context, but they're doing it in many other situations. So if you overemphasize their expertise and their courage, it creates a good feeling. You might want to associate to a situation, a trait or, or competence that you like in them so that they feel this is, this is really a positive conversation because that is what coaching is about. It's creating this positivity in the situation. And then you would want to remind them of previous successes because just being over empathetic or over um, uh, exaggerating around their, their courage and their expertise and not associating it to a situation doesn't allow you to reframe their experience. That is why connecting it, reminding them of a previous result or action where they took, where you could actually see how that played out. And that is where you want to share with them how you felt as their manager, <clears throat> how their competence or trait played out. And it could be that they didn't really realize that. It could be that they didn't recognize themselves in that because that is really what the reframing does. It creates a positive note around the things that the individuals for themselves had stored negatively. And that is what you want to have because you want to have the courage there, the connection, the ability so that they can do something around that performance that you are going to address. You are going to do it, don't get me wrong, but in a different way. So then, focus on a higher cause. What does that really mean? Well, we always get so bogged down in details where we say we have to introduce these account plans, but we forget why we want to introduce these account plans. And the higher cause to introduce these account plans is that we want to be more efficient. We want to be sure that we're doing the right things with the right customer. We want to ensure that we achieve the goals that we want to have. We want to sh even share account plans so that we create a team feeling with our customer. There's, there are many more things that are bigger than just doing an account plan. And that is 
where you want to connect it to a higher cause. Closing deals. It's not about closing deals. It's about more than just closing deals. So you want to bring to mind the relevant goal, the value or the priority that you can address. And then you want to attach directly there in a tiny little agreement in the sense of, well, being more efficient on following up on, my, on, on the customer goals with an account plan, don't you think that is important? So on that higher value, it's not the fact that they're not doing the account plan, but you want to agree and lift them up, lift up their focus and their, their attention onto the higher value. Why are we doing this? And you see what has happened here right now? Since you're overemphasizing their competence, you've put it into context of a similar um, situation, and now you're creating this frame of belief that, hey, wow, yes, I have competence to support higher goals. And then you unveil the difference, the tiny little difference around, well, okay, the account plans have not been done for this account. Well, okay, it's just a tiny little thing now against the ability to support higher goals. You see what is happening? The difference between now there's the difference between the actions, the tiny little action of doing an account plan for this account versus the big purpose. They've agreed on the big purpose, but now they just need to fix the tiny little action. action. And you can share an observation where you saw, I don't know, you were looking at a, to review the accounts and we're looking for the account plan and you saw that it hadn't been updated since the beginning of the year. Just a tiny little thing. They know what has been happening. You don't have to rub it in as we speak or put the, you know, push the nose into it. No, no, just a tiny little observation. You can ask them to reflect on how that action actually connects them to their purpose. And they immediately will see, well, well, okay, this tiny little action of not updating the account plan actually has an effect on the higher cause. And they realize that they can do better. And the final step is then to nudge them to change. And you can imagine that nudging them to change is giving them the positive encouragement saying, I know you can do this. I mean, it's you realize how important it is. It's just a small thing to update the account plan. So how could you do this right now? And immediately you want to agree on some actions here and give them the encouragement about that they believe they can change it and the ideas that come to change these things because the encouragement that they have around how to close that little gap that you have just pointed out that is where the fun really starts for you because then you realize that people actually do want to change these things so let's have a look at what this conversation would look like here in a summary and you might want to take a screenshot of this one because i've put some words here as well and we will do this as a summary one more time, coaching for performance. And you start off with the I, you initiate the conversation. Like, do you have a moment? What a great day it is, or what a great result we've had last week. What a great sales on that reach, on that campaign that we've had. You, there are many ways of creating a positive atmosphere. And as I said, you want to see what, what really fits you. Then, the O. Yeah, you overemphasize. You know when you did the last campaign, how eagerly you were driving that, and it really got showed me that 
that you could actually follow on those goals. That's already the R side of it. Yeah, the reminding them of a previous success. Now we want to focus on a higher cause. Yeah, you know, we want to improve and focus our results on this customer now. And it's like focusing on a campaign. You have to know what the goal is and you want to put the actions behind that. Would you agree that that is important? Yeah. See how the conversation is going to work? And then as we continue here to unveil the differences, yesterday I saw when I was looking at the account plan, it hadn't been updating since the original one that you put in there at the beginning of the year. How do you think that really supports your goal focus? And you can immediately imagine that the person is going to start thinking about it. And, you know, then you can start say, I have seen you focusing on goals before and I know you can do these things. What could you do this time to make sure that we really achieve the goal of this customer and keep ourselves on our toes concerning the planning? So what is really happening there when you use these small sentences? All the fears that we had before, the feeling of being uncertain, the feel of being insignificant or isolated, all of a sudden they go away because the certainty comes from you. You're giving them the encouragement. You can do this. You have done this before. The feeling of significance is you have connected to the higher goal. And you don't have to be isolated because I'm here with you. I know you can do these things. It's you and me together. And the feeling about incompetence, it goes away because they've done it before. And it's just a tiny little step now where you can coach them on their ability to move forward. Now, there is one one thing that you would want to consider while you do this conversation, and that is the, the positive feeling at the moment, at the beginning. You always want to believe that the person can do it. Yeah, that is really that positive feeling that is going through you to the person. It's in every sentence. Yeah, it's like, and that is where you want to use the brain's features. You want to diminish the problem this is causing. You know, updating the account plan, it's not a big issue. But focusing on the big on the big goal, on exaggerating how important that is in being more efficient and effective, that is where you want to exaggerate. Their experience around what they've done before and how this has been playing out for them before. Again, that's an area where you can exaggerate the, and, and create that positive feeling around these things. So, this is the I perform for fun type of approach. I hope you like this one because at this moment we can open up the microphones and we can have questions. And um, let's see if anybody has questions. Of course, I could call out on people. I'm just going to look at the microphones. If any of the microphones are unmuted, then I can call you out and uh, see what you have to, to think about and, and perhaps reflect around these things. So let's see. Um, I see a green microphone with Peter. Hello, how are you doing? Fine. Great. What do you feel about this coaching approach? Could that help your people? Or let's turn it around. Um, Just imagine if your manager was doing this type of coaching approach to you. How would you feel? <laughs> Great. Uh, I, at least I hope so. It's it's a little bit different than just a pure order, uh, which used to pop up in an email every morning or during the day. 
quite interesting approach. What makes it interesting? <laughs> the first, first, uh, how easy to use some abbreviation to to describe those things for fun. Yeah. I haven't heard that English English. Uh, wording for that so to say so i think also easy to easy to remember in a way well that is one of the intentions right things should be easy yeah. to remember for ourselves and even for the people mm -hmm. yeah. great do you have any specific question not yet no okay good well, good chatting to you. Um, perhaps there's somebody else who's had a question. Um, of course, you can write it into the chat window if you have any specific question. In the meantime, um, I have a little letter here, which I'm going to read out. And it says, Dear Coach Colin, I have an employee who is getting closer to retirement. He is still five more years to go, but he has already indicated that he is quite happy with his results and his performance. I have told him time and time again that we will have to become better and perform at a higher level, but it seems that I'm not getting through to him. Signed, I told him before. And this is a letter, of course, that changed a little bit. I'm not revealing who sent it in so that nobody can be identified. And you recognize this situation, of course. You say that, of course, you've already repeated the goal, right? You have repeated the expectation. It's like Petter just saying here, yes, it's like an email saying we have to do better. But you see, the performance is not, um, the performance is not about a question about working harder or faster. Performance is a question about being more effective and more efficient, meaning working differently. And as you see, when you start coaching people around performance, is that People know that they can work differently, but but sometimes they don't really believe that going through the pain of change is really worth it. And this is where a tool like this can really turn it around because that change is that change is going to going to make it fun. If you want to make it fun then it will be fun. And if you maintain your idea that this is fun, this is easy, it is not so hard, then of course you have the opportunity. And you see, you want to consider the fact that they don't, that they are always, when they've reached this level of performance, they're always, there's always a fear of making these mistakes. They're always the fear of being isolated. They're always the fear of losing, of being criticized. And they don't really know whether, whether that change is going to pay off. And that is where you as a coach, and this is really the biggest task that the coach has, is to be right by their side when they start doing these tiny little changes. Because they're going to... They're going to play out in the sense of they're going to try to make mistakes just to prove to themselves that, see, this doesn't work. They're going to miss out on opportunities, miss out on deadlines just to prove to you that your ideas don't work. But that is really what your challenge is as a coach is never give up in the people. 
because that is the only resource you have. That's the only, you know, the only lever that you have because you know that telling them is not going to work. Because just telling them that they have to perform better or perform in a different way, you've done that so many times, as it appears here by signed, I told him before. So there's only one way to go, is to encourage him, is to find, you know, find that encouragement to overcome those little fears that are there all the time, to take tiny, tiny steps, break down the steps, help them on the way. Because at the end of the day, people want to have recognition for their results, yes. They want to be part of the team, yes. But they want to feel safe when things change, but they also want to develop themselves and contribute to others a little more. But they've forgotten what that really feels like. Because in their mind, they have, deciding, they have decided in their balance and say, it is not worth it. So it's not worth it in a sense. They don't have to, you don't have to pay them more. You don't want to give them more bonuses um, or do something individual for them. It's more the personal gratification, the personal recognition, the personal encouragement is where they feel it is not worth it anymore because nobody sees how much effort they have put in in the past. And they've been diminishing the effort, sorry, they've been diminishing the effect of the efforts and they've been exaggerating the efforts in the past. That's why they come to the conclusion it's not worth it. And I see here a green light and I say good morning to David. Hello. Good morning, Colin. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's an interesting letter that, you know, you're centering the, the dialogue around because I have, uh, you know, quite a few people as in, our business anyway we have a, the demographic is is getting a bit older yes. um, and I see I see the risk of, of some of that type of uh, you know behavior as, as they get close to retirement and uh, but I don't uh, I don't see that so much with our guys because we've hired and instilled you know over many years a sense of professionalism so while I think some of the motivators may uh, change as they get close to retirement. I think the, uh, you know, the desire to still be successful, you know, is is strong, and 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 people want to be successful. They may not have the the financial dependence on, you know, delivering the results that they might have earlier in their careers. But um, I, I still think, you know, there's a pride to it that Correct. everybody tries to satisfy. And, uh, and and wants to do a good job and be a contributing member of their teams. So, I, uh, you know, I think we've hired well in most cases. Uh, but it's interesting because I, we do see that at the distributor level a bit more, um, especially with some of the guys as they get a bit older or, right. you know, later in their careers. They've, they've got a book of business and it's stable and, and they're not really interested in, uh, working any harder or pushing the the status quo with the customers, um, and I also see that in the compensation plans with with some of our distributors. You know, they they don't design compensation plans to uh, to drive growth and and activity. Um, you know, they they either have them on salary, and they the the salespeople don't benefit from performing better, or you know, or they don't move out the people who whose performance is flat because 
uh, you know, I don't know if they feel like, you know, the guy's been in place for so long that there's a risk of pushing them that they might leave and go to a competitor or they might lose the business with the customers. So they settle, I think in a lot of cases. Uh, and that's where we struggle a little bit because we do drive our sales team, uh, you know, pretty hard for success. And, uh, you know, we find them, find ourselves aligned with, uh, distributor salespeople who aren't, uh, um, compensated in the same way or driven in the same way. So, uh, we, we get a little bit of a, uh, disconnect there with them on, uh, you know, how we perceive goals and things, yeah. but interesting, uh, I, I interesting think. discussion. And I think you kind of ended up where I was, where people are driven more by the personal accomplishment than, you know, at that stage of their career than they are by, you know, financial rewards. Correct. Yeah. And we have to respect that, um, there are two sides that have settled in this. It is the individual who is settled that I can get away with this type of performance. It's not worth it to show anything else. But also the manager presumably has, has also settled with that type of performance. Yep. No, I agree. That's a, both have to happen for that, for those situations to exist. Right. I think in our team, you know, as even, even though we've got probably a dozen people that are, within three to five years of retirement, uh, you know, we really, you know, drive the expectation through the organization that, uh, you know, everybody's here, everybody has a job to do and, and everybody has, is a contributing, uh, part of the team and that, uh, you know, everybody needs to do their part. So, uh, that's, that's the culture that, that I've been driving at least. Yeah, that's where you picked up right from the beginning, that performance is actually in relationship to what are the expectations. And if you're spelling it out crystal clear to everybody, then there is no confusion around that. So thank you very much for those comments. And as we move along, just one more thing. But before we do that, I would like you to reflect yourself around what is it that you took away from this Power Hour today when we were talking about performance is the accomplishment of a given task against a preset known expectation. Or the other point where we had the level, sorry, the ladder of performance. We were talking about potential fears that people have. And of course, the I perform for fun acronym that will allow you to drive your positivity in the coaching conversation and towards performance. So if there was one thing that you would want to take away from this session today, what would that be? If there was one action you would do that brings you forward in this topic around coaching performance, what would that be? If you write that into the chat window, I'll copy it over onto the screen so that we can have a list of ideas and share those around and have perhaps some encouragement for each other to think about, oh, wow, that was actually a good idea. That's something that we could do. So pick around from this power hour, pick one action that you would want to take away right now that bring you, brings you forward. What would that be? Write that into the chat window and um, I will copy it across. And then we are nearly there. 
Um, here's one. Make clear own expectations is the first one out. Yep. Very important. Be crystal clear around those things. Let's see if we've got another one. I have one coming here and that is be positive. I think that is very important for what we're talking about because a coach who isn't positive, is that a coach? That's a question to think about. But I'm not going to dwell more on that one. Um, I'm going to leave you with one very important message for this week, and that is never give up to believe things can be better tomorrow. And from the discussion that we had here, it is about settling. Yeah, Don't settle. Never give up. Always believe that things can be better tomorrow. Be honest, open and accept and act upon what is hindering you today. Take the initiative, address those things, but always maintain the positivity around the things that believe that things can be better tomorrow. So thank you very much for everybody for this power hour on how do I coach for performance. Think about it. Performance. I perform for fun. And the fun around it is also created by you, by the leader, by the coach of the team, so that everybody believes that putting in the extra effort, putting in the work is actually fun. So coach for fun and enjoy a week. Make this week your best week ever. Thank you, everybody. Take care and goodbye. This was the Power Hour with me, Coach Colin, the skipper to your leadership. And if you found something interesting during this power hour, why not just go over and press like or even share it with one of your peers because we all want to be better and it is very rewarding to see other people getting better around us. And if you have any questions about this power hour or around leading your team to success, just private message me, text me, get in touch with me on Facebook or send me an email. Because always remember, I am Coach Colin and I am here to help you master your leadership.